Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so after you procrastinated for half the day. Who? <laughs> who are you talking about? I think it was Phoebe Waller Bridge. She said yeah. like 90% of what I do is procrastination. And that made me feel better. Yeah, that makes me feel better, even if it she didn't say it. Just the idea that she may have. She did say it. So if she can do it, we can do it. I went to my friend's shop, Tallulah Fox in Petworth, and got some lovely decorations. And Petworth is a lovely town. I'll take you next time you come here. It's like, just dream. Petworth. Mm, it's beautiful. It's like so picturesque, you, you kind of can't believe it. Ugh. I need but a it's mug. it's a functioning town. I know. I bet they have them. I need a mug. I have my Soberton mug here from our last adventures, and now I need to add to my collection. So you were saying you bought a few Christmas pieces because it's time to I start did. building your own Christmas collection. Is that right? Yes. I bought a brass kind of wreath thing, like string and it's all brass and it's got brass and beads and it's mistletoe. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna put all like fresh ivy and stuff on the fireplace and then put that like in, in it with some twinkle lights. How beautiful. Yes, and I got some other things the other day. But here actually I can show you. Yes, let's see. Oh I got I got these felt. Those are so um, sweet. Felt um like it's like a string of beads, but they're giant and it's felt. Christmas colors. Um, got some Christmas cards. Not going to show those because we're in a surprise. Right, um, right. I got this. It's a light up Christmas tree. That is beautiful. A little night lamp. I'm I going in. I'm. You know, the last few Christmases have been a bit shit. <laughs> oh my god, I'm laughing at you. <laughs> okay, you're laughing too. It's okay. No, it's fine. It was a joke. Yeah. Yeah, they have been pretty shit, haven't they? Yeah, they've not been no. great. So this I think one, you described I'm... it like being on dr- on an acid trip. <laughs> like a nightmare acid trip. A nightmare acid trip. Um that was that was Christmas of 2020 and then 2021 my whole family got covid, so I was not able to come to the house. Um, that's right and so this year i'd like to just have a normal experience and then the year in 2019 my family was all having a big fight and nobody would come and sit at the dinner table so 19 20 21 disaster you know if it's not one thing it's another this year i'm going to be very regimented i'm having christmas at my house and i will go over to my mom's house for christmas dinner yep but that is it (laughs) Like, I want to do, like, my morning here. I want to go for a walk. I want to do all of that. And then I'll go over there. Yeah. Um, 
because otherwise it just gets too like chaotic for me and if I've learned anything from the last couple of years it's that kind of just having a plan helps to go through navigating trickier days you've said easily. that yeah yeah more easily I mean not easy like you know just makes it a bit less chaotic so anyway, I'm so excited oh, about Christmas. Me too. And I can't wait to see the winter wonderland you create. We're going to have a theme and we had two ideas and couldn't decide. So we've decided to just mush them into one idea. What is which it? Which is going to be woodland circus. So imagine like all the woodland creatures had a circus in the woods. Yes. So that's going to be the theme. I love it. I love it. Mm, it, it hit November 1 and I was yeah. like, I, I popped up in bed and I was like, it's time. It's time. You could feel it. Yeah. You're like, you're like a muscle. You're like, it's time. <laughs> it's so time. Like Christmas monster. <laughs> the Christmas monster. It's time. I'm, I'm eyeing my decorations. They're in the garage. I'm about to bring the box out, but I like what yes. you I really like what you said about adding to your forever collection. Well, I didn't have a collection. So Yeah, I I, I didn't either. So it's more really. like starting it. Yeah. It's so fun. Just a few pieces every year and Yeah. I like the theme. Or when it's totally when you've got nothing, you get to be really indulgent and go, Well, I don't have anything, so I need this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would like to make I'm going to do like basics and get obviously some cute bits that will be like forever pieces, not like throwaway things. But I, the reason I like the woodland theme is because I feel like I can make loads of it um, and not have lots of like waste. Mm-hmm. All or right. Like plastic shit that's going to just like, you know. Yeah, you are very uh, wary about that, aren't you? I'm, I, I need I to work try. on that. Well, we all do. It's hard. It's like a lot to remember with everything else that we have to remember all the time. Yeah. And the truth of it is, I don't think what we do really makes a difference um, when the biggest contributors to CO2 and pollution are like the agricultural industry, the fashion industry, whatever, like oil and gas and all that stuff. But no, no. it's for me, it's a peace of mind of like knowing that I've tried. Yeah. Doing your bit. Um, so that's why, like, these are made of felt. So these will last a long, 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 long time. Yeah, exactly. You can uh, sew everything, crochet everything. God, I'm not sure about that. Sounds quite time consuming. Might, get, <laughs> might have to use some glue. Well, the mistake I've made several years uh, in the past, and I did this to myself again last year, was I had the bright idea to give everybody a scarf for Christmas. And, yes. And... And like uh, coasters that were crocheted. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I started in July and I was mm -hmm. knitting for months. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I never got mine. Oh, no, you didn't. You didn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of time. Are you going to have a theme or you just or what? You know, I always want a theme and then I just get so sentimental about my childhood that I just try to recreate it every time with like the exact <laughs> colors that were on the tree and yeah. and so I don't do a theme but I love walking in and you see a tree that's like silver and blue yeah or hot yeah. pink like a red tree yes. 
always wanted to do a pink tree. I know. That would be so fun. The tree is pink, I mean, as well. Yeah, the tree, all of it. Like everything. They have really cool stuff. I also don't like the idea of a fake tree. Like I'm too I'm too hippy dippy for that. Yeah. I gotta have the real like they cost like five hundred pounds. I know. I gotta carry I gotta go, I gotta pick the tree out, I gotta carry it in on my back, I gotta be covered in the in the needles, it's gotta be a mess. Mm. It's gotta be the whole thing. I've gotta be covered in sap, it hurts. Yeah. It smells oh, the whole place smells like the evergreen. I need all yes. that. So there's a Christmas tree farm around here. We've been watching them grow since the summer. You get to go chop um, your own? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out I might break in and see what the vibe is. Um, as you know, I'm an avid like trespasser. Literally <laughs> break in. <laughs> like hop the fence. I love trespassing. I mean, I just love trespassing. Ooh, I just feel too. I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. I'm just having a look. Yeah. I know. So you what's and me. Deal? Hey, that is the that's finally the hook of our TV show. <laughs> we just yeah. fucking break in everywhere. We'd have to do it handheld ourselves because a crew would yeah. never, you know. Yeah, no. It'll be no cheap. We'll... No, yeah. no network. No, they'll buy it after the fact, but not while we're doing it. Uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah. wow. I got to chop down our own tree one year, and it was thrilling. It oh. was it was so exciting. Like with a, like, a... With, like, my dad had, like, an axe. Oh, my God, or fun. Oh, maybe... my God, your dad did it with you. Well, not that dad. Oh, <laughs> That dad would never do. I know. I was like, really? (laughs) My stepdad. Uh, um, Was it a dream? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I dreamt. Um, But I think the key to those cute trees that are the crazy colors and stuff is just having a lot of rooms in a big house because then you could do one in every room. Agree. We used to have two themes at my mom's house. We would have our main living room which was all like red gold white and then in the dining room we'd have a christmas tree that was like blue gold silver oh i love that and it was really really nice all like moons and stars and stuff and actually i went to london a couple of week or a week ago for 10 for a week and i went to fortnum and mason which i love to go to during the christmas season and it's that that is back so that style, which was like mega 90s, is back. And they had like exact replicas of all of the decorations that we had growing up. And I was so thrilled to see it. And it took everything in me not to buy all of it. For the same reason that you are saying where it's just like you just want to like relive your childhood. Yeah. But, you know, if like just every like literal place setting table mat is 25 pounds, you can imagine yeah. how extensive <laughs> It yeah. took everything in me. Everything no. in me. I was like, no, this is worth a thousand pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Fortnament. Yeah, you get in there and all of it, you're like, yes, this is totally, mm-hmm. this yeah, price fine. is fine. I want it. I'm having it. You can't. <laughs> no, it's like another dimension. It's really dangerous. It's like a little milk jug. You're like, 50 pounds is a good price yeah. for this year. Yeah. And then you go up and you look at like the, the real OG, the real um, yeah. teapots that are like yeah. $12,000. And you're like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, <laughs> I need that. It's amazing detail. You know, the handle <laughs> is ornate. 
<laughs> no, but going to Fortnum is an experience any time of year, but especially at the holidays. It's yeah. just oh. a must in London, and I want to hear all about your trip to London. But first, ask me how I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> How's it going? I'm scared. When you say it like that, I'm actually worried. Are we okay? I don't You're know. You're like one of those babies I... <laughs> that's like, <laughs> I'm fine. The ones that are laughing and crying. Yeah. Yeah. They're like laughing with their mouth, but crying with their eyes. It's like all your baby pictures. Okay, bitch. We're talking about you right now. Okay. How am I doing, you ask? Yeah. Um, I don't know because I lost my day planner. So... <laughs> I have no idea which way is up or down, and I've been floating for a week, so it's pretty scary over here. Um, okay, so... Let me tell you why I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> because the week before I lost my planner, I'm like a mm. write-down-everything person, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's not on the list, it doesn't exist. Exactly. And I can't do it in my phone. It, that doesn't exist at no. all. No. So I always write everything down in my planner. I get really excited to buy it at the top of every year. And yes. I put a lot of time into picking it out. And I will search like many stores if I have to until I find the right one. And I write everything down. And I always map my week out in advance. Like the week ahead, I always fill it all in mm -hmm. and, and create it. And the week before I lost this planner, I started to feel kind of a scary thing about it. I thought, because I'm, I'm doing a lot of Dr. Joe Dispenza work, which mm -hmm. if you've heard of him, he's, he's all about letting, releasing the past and the physical memory that yeah. it has in your body to embrace yeah. a new future of the unknown so that you can change your life in ways that you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of realized in doing that work that the calendar might possibly be keeping me stuck because if I'm mapping out the way that my week is going to look, there's no room for anything new to, to flow in. Ooh. It's the same thing on, on a loop. Yeah, and fuck. so the calendar started to really bother me. And then when I lost it, I went, <laughs> "Well, shit! Look at look at what I did." You know, I I didn't want it anymore. And so you lost it. <laughs> so I lost it. And this is how powerful we are. This is what we do. When I lost it, I just had to laugh, and I went, "Wow, that's really funny." Yeah. And then it was so powerful because I started to rethink the way I'm doing that. And I thought, oh. I don't think I'm going to return to a calendar. And oh if, my God. well, I have to for my you work. Know, meeting for work. Yeah, yeah. I have to for yeah. work. But, but, but aside from that, I don't want to live that way anymore because I think it's a little bit of a block. And so it was just a really interesting it brought up a lot of thoughts about that, and I don't think I'm going to return to it in the way that I was. And I ended up finding the planner again. Mm -hmm. But I was really grateful for that because it completely changed the way I was thinking about it. So I wanted to mention mm. that because it might be helpful. 
That's so cool. I love that. I love yeah. that. And I like, you know, that's that's actually seems like a small thing, but it's quite huge. Huge. It was huge in my for me to be like, yeah, no planner other than for your work, which obviously you need to write that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other stuff. So sorry, out of interest, like, what was in your planner outside of the work stuff? I would write like. This two hours from like 10 to 12 is going to be for reading. And this is going to be for going to the grocery store. And this is going to be when I do the laundry. And this, and I'll go get, you know, air in my tires in this hour. And it was just crap. (laughs) We make really intense. Yeah, we make these to do lists that are really just biding our time and treading water. Because it makes us feel like we have a purpose. Yeah, and it also is great because you don't have to think about other things like working on yourself or, hmm, what happens if I just sit here and have some thoughts? Oh, that's a bit scary. That's right. <laughs> don't don't like that. <laughs> there was no space. There was no space. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was interesting. That's, that's interesting that that was your your habit I've tried every type of kind of way of like getting myself to do things and the thing I've been doing recently which has been great is I've got my weekly planner which is kind of an overview of just shit I cannot forget um and then I've got my daily and I've got another little notebook that's like a daily to-do list and the night before I write or the day before or the morning of I will sit and I'll write Wednesday. And then instead of writing to do, I write the day and then like draw a flower or a smiley face or a love heart. Um, Mm -hmm. I am somebody that responds really well to positive encouragement and um, positive kind of affirmations like keep going, you're doing really well, like not somebody who responds to get up keep going get the fuck on with it like and being hard on me shuts me down completely tough tough love doesn't work on you just shuts me down totally yeah so but if you gas me up then i can just like go and go and go and what i realize is that in my tone to myself in my to-do list to do Mm. ah, do it was like i would i would literally write like Annabelle, you need to get up and do it. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. I know. What are you doing, you crazy bitch? Like, so I changed that energy of that completely to like, Wednesday, woohoo. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not everything on the list is nice, but what do I get to do on Wednesday? Um, yeah. And I do it each day. And that's really helped as well, because what I find is that even if it's something as small as like putting up my pin boards, which you noticed, Mm -hmm. if I don't write it down, it's circling and taking up all of this energy in my brain. I write down every single thing that I have to do, even if it's like move that cup on your desk downstairs, it's been there ages. Mm. Because otherwise it's all just going, move the cup, put the pin board up, fold your socks away, and there's all this space in my head is being taken up by dumb dumb stuff yeah and that's exhausting it's super exhausting yeah and then I don't have the space to sit down and go 
well if right. i know it's on the list the mind can be clear because it's being processed it's right. there's a plan for it but I have to have that, we all have to have that space. And on that topic, another thing I've been trying to do is like, you know when you're out with somebody and then they get up and you, the first thing you do is get your phone out. Yes. I've really been really making an effort in the last kind of eight months to not do that. So I just sit there like a derp. <laughs> I know. I, I totally agree with you. I will always, if I'm at dinner with someone or any kind of meeting and anything, I'll keep that phone in my purse because yeah. I hate it being on the table. And then I know exactly what you mean. I, I catch myself and I'll go, what happens if I just sit here? Everyone else around you is on their phone. Well, think about, you know, in the line at the post office and all of those little moments of personally, I see them as rest. Every little moment where there's not something happening. So you're waiting in a line, you're sitting waiting for somebody to return from the toilet, you're on the phone getting something sorted with the bank instead of going on Twitter or scrolling. Yep. That's the time that your body would have previously and your mind would have just been kind of in stillness and emptiness. Wow. Wow. Um, and we just are always filling that time now with the phone so it's not just when I'm at the table and somebody leaves, it's when I'm in the line, when I'm doing anything, I'm really trying to just not be on the device because I think that's my like brain rest time. That makes so much sense, you saying it like that. Wow. And think oh, about your day God. and all of the moments in your day when your body, brain, nervous system could have just been like chilling, even if uh -huh. it was just for like... A minute and a half or uh -huh. two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has a lot to do with why depression rates have gone up. Oh, totally. I mean, it's like our dopamine shit's getting like pump, 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 all the time, from the little ways that everything is designed in the phone to kind of and all the little apps and everything that we're all using. Anyway, I think that's really interesting, and I think it's all kind of connected. It is. It is. Um, yeah, because so, I get I get that dopamine from going to that calendar. Oh yeah, I do. I'll check the phone. Mm -hmm. I'll check the calendar. Uh, yeah, it's all connected. I'm busy and I'm I'm important. Yeah, and my life has meaning. Yeah. It by the way, it does whether you look at the phone or the calendar or yeah. you have the to do list or not. Mm -hmm. I know, <laughs> and 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 I've all that's also ties into it because I've been saying to myself. The necessary things will get done Always. no matter what. Always, because they have to. They have to. <laughs> Those are the things that rise to the top of your mind and that you write down. Mm. So I'm really glad that you're not doing that anymore. To hear that you're like scheduling out like this hour, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do laundry there. It's like that makes me feel honestly like kind of like sad and stressed for you because when was like the downtime of just like, eh, maybe this week I won't do any laundry. And it'll probably yeah. suck when I try and do it next week, but oh well. The ebbs and the flows are okay. And mm. I am not going to stress. If I don't have the energy today, I'll have it some other day. And when it comes, yeah. when it comes, I'll take advantage of it. And mm -hmm. since I started thinking that way, the space, you know, comes mm. up for you. And then, yeah. and then you, and then you get those bursts of energy or courage, 
like the other night I, I sent like five career emails that I'd been too exhausted to confront Mm -hmm. for a week. And then all of a sudden I just got them all done. Yeah. Felt great. Yeah. And like, I I didn't think about getting them all done then. It just, it just came. Yeah. And so just riding that current of your energy is really freeing. I think, and not just like having your fucking neck to the wall all the time like but you will do this at this time the other thing about having a schedule like that is i feel like that's a breeding ground for you to beat yourself up yeah and feel like a failure if you don't do those things i mean that's right with me with the work i've been doing what i realized as we talked about months ago was any little way that i was able to beat myself up i was i would do it you didn't drink enough water, you fucking dumb bitch. Like, <laughs> instead of just being like, hey, you should love yourself, take care of yourself, drink some water. Instead mm-hmm. of that being the energy that is like inward, instead it was like an assault mm-hmm. on myself. It um, is. So I think that's so good. I do too. And the, the way that we talk to ourselves like that, I, I, I just caught myself yesterday. I, I dropped something and I, and I said something really mean to myself out loud and then out loud Mm. also I went hey don't you talk to her like that (laughs) (laughs) so like I sound like a do you do that too like you'll catch yourself immediately and and go yeah I speak to myself like I'm somebody else I'll be like okay Annabelle calm down or like be nice or that was unnecessary (laughs) that's why my handles online are all okay Annabelle Oh, I see. Just. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Well, is that going to be the title of your book? No. (laughs) No. I've written so so many titles for the book. I love how seriously you answered that. No. (laughs) Uh, No. No. (laughs) So that's really good, babe. Wow. So, okay. Can we follow up from last week? Because you mentioned something at the end of our conversation that I definitely want to hear about. You were saying that you were about to to host Alex's parents. Yes. And that, like, the deeper part of it was that you were um, having Spicy. S- some trepidation about embracing a new yeah. family. Um, you don't have to go into that any more than you're comfortable with, but I want to hear about how their trip was and how London was. It was good. It was, it is hard. It's definitely hard. It's really hard to articulate this, not because mm-hmm. I don't want to, but it's almost just like feelings that you can't quite put words to. The The big takeaway was that it was great and not as hard and scary and difficult as I thought it was going to be. Obviously, you know, like so many things, the build up in your head is so much more than what the actuality of the situation is. Yeah. It was much easier for me to kind of slip into this new family dynamic than than I had thought it would be. Um, I definitely had some wobbly moments which were interesting where I kind of felt like a bit homesick, almost childlike, like a childlike homesickness, um, which I really strongly believe that as an adult when you have that homesick feeling and you're not 
really like it's not like you're not going to go home for ages I really think that is a longing for the self mm. the home within you I, I heard that a few times which I haven't really looked into too deeply other than just that I think it was just challenging and yeah I just had a lot of trepidation about it but they're a really lovely family and we had a lot of fun and they really kind of welcomed me you know I really appreciate just little things like his dad called me sweetie and like you know they just wanted to spend time with us and I really appreciated that like they didn't really care what we were doing they just wanted to like be around Mm -hmm. and I thought that was really nice um and I really liked the feeling of like that kind of like parental unit is not something I've you know, Sarah and John have always been like my parents, my sister and her husband, because my mum and dad were never together. Um, and both of them, their parenting styles were very kind of, um, let's just say, alternative. So I've never had that kind of like traditional family unit. And his family, Alex's family, are quite nuclear in that way. Mm-hmm. And I quite liked the feeling of that. And... You know, just things like, I know this sounds really weird. Maybe it's like, it's going to sound bad. I hope it's not misunderstood. But like, they were really generous with us and like they paid for dinner and they put some gas in our car. We went to the Cotswolds and like, they got us a hotel room and I'm not used to that. Mm. I just am not. And that gave me like a cared for feeling, which I really liked and like a... I guess that's just what a parent does for their kids. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not used to it. So, you know, it was just new for me. I don't know. It makes total sense um, what you're saying. It was like the little things, you know, yeah. it's not like a big, it's not these like ginormous gestures. It was just, and every time his mom would like pick something out for her daughter or her daughter-in-law, she'd be like, oh, I was thinking maybe you'd like this scarf or something. And I just thought that was so sweet. That's sweet. It was just, like, so cute and just, like, including me in things, like, in the flow of how their dynamic works. And so that was really nice. And we had some really nice dinners and chats and it was really, like, chill. And they're both so confident and they had a lovely evening with... We all went to dinner at my mum's house and, like, everyone just chatted for hours. And it was me that was like, okay, it's time to go home now. (laughs) I was so tired I was it was really nice and everyone was getting along and I felt like bad being like okay I'm tired yes but and you know they could have just talked for hours which I thought was so cool so yeah it was it was really really nice and it wasn't like you know emotionally really difficult in the way that I had thought it would be Oh, it's all the internal work that you do on your own that's yeah, difficult. Exactly. Not really the, the experience. That's just the surface. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. It's just knowing, you know, and I know that that will be an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. But it was really good. And and where did you go in London? We stayed um, in Gloucester Road in Kensington and Chelsea. And we did, we had like, they rented a, mu- a little muse house there and it was so nice. Um, What's so a muse house? Of, you know those like cobbled stone, like you know off the main roads. There's those cobbled stone things where like it's like a little cul-de-sac, but it's, you know, yeah. Do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Mm-hmm. That's a muse. That's that's called a muse. So they rented like a little house off of one of those. 
and it was really really nice and you know we went out some nights one night we stayed in we went down Portobello Road <laughs> we walked to Harrods that was so fun I've not been in ages I loved doing that actually it reminded me of being a kid yeah it was just great London was amazing I love visiting town and every time I'm there I'm like <gasps> Do I want to live in London? And then I'm just like, no, bitch, you know how it goes when you live in London. You do not. You're having a nice time. Just enjoy your trip and go home. (laughs) Very nice to visit. Yeah. I get into Kensington and I'm just like, there she is. London girl. It was actually really, really nice to come home. We've had so many visitors this month and we've done so much. We had Mm -hmm. Paris and his parents came and my friend Camilla's come to stay for a while and then Layla and John came with their baby Alba who was just like a dream on this <gasps> earth and like almost made me want to have a baby yeah I was gonna say did it change your mind it did actually it did and then Layla was like yeah you say that but then you're gonna go home and you're gonna continue living your life and doing whatever you want that's right and then come and talk to me then and then I did go home and I was just like yeah actually this is quite nice <laughs> <laughs> She wasn't wrong. No. Um, no. So, but it was the first time in ages that I've been like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but I think all it's done really is just reaffirm that I, I would really like to be a mum. I just know that it's just babies aren't for me. Right. Not just because I just, unless I could have a guarantee that it would be like as good as Alba, then I just don't want it. <laughs> She's just like a dream. Have you ever met a baby where you're just like, how are you real? Yeah. Big it, risk. It's just... Big risk, yeah. though. <laughs> and I don't know that it's one I'm willing to take. Chances are... My nieces and nephews are like... And that's the other thing. They're also, like, amazing that I just think, would I be the one to have a stinker? And the answer is yes. <laughs> we know this. We know this. Speaking of your genetics, I saw your entire family in Santa Barbara. I know. Sarah said that you guys were laughing so much. I know you were at a memorial, which was... Yeah, I know. You know, there's there's room for laughter. That's the whole point. You're there to... Yeah. To but... heal and, and love and, and have memories. But she said you guys really, like, had a lovely, like, joyful healing kind of raucous time we really did uh and that was perfect for the man whose memorial it was he was very he's he's part of your family basically Mm. and I was so thrilled to see your stepmom and your sisters and Mm -hmm. Sarah and she and John and Mm -hmm. um Sarah called me weird (laughs) on the podcast she said you're so weird And then she started doing impressions of how I respond to you. And uh, it was pretty funny. (laughs) What was her impression? She was like saying how when you say something shocking and I go, oh, 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 I don't know. She just had her little favorite things that we do together. She's one to talk about being weird. (laughs) She's always like, I'm not weird. I'm not weird. I'm like, if you think that you're normal you're actually weirder than I even thought you were like I think she thinks she's like boring and normal I'm like no No. you are not she is very she's far out 
She really is. And she's so, like, I don't know. She's so great. But I it, love that bitch so much. I do, too. I really do. I, it cracked me up about Santa Barbara. We got there, and everyone was there. We had Melissa on our podcast, Melissa Roxburgh. And mm-hmm. so your stepmom had known that. She listened to our episodes. So she introduced me to the executive producer of Melissa's show on Netflix called Manifest. Oh, wow. So there were wow. just so, I know. And then this other musician came up and spoke to me. And he said, I have a, st- a story for you. And I wanted to go speak to him because he's a rather big deal. And I wanted to go tell him about Will and just introduce Mm. myself. And he ended up coming to find me. And he said, I've got this great story for you. When I was young, me and my friend Chris, uh, Chris Shiflett, would go to L.A. Now, Chris Shiflett is the guitarist in the Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. And we would go to L.A. and Otto would drive us. It was Otto's memorial. Mm -hmm. Otto would drive us down to the city and take us to rock shows. And we really wanted to go to this clothing store in LA. And so he drove us and you came along and you were a really young kid. And so it was us three guys and you as a baby. (laughs) I was like, what? What the fuck? (laughs) This doesn't make sense. But he said, you know, we all went to this clothing store and my friend Chris from the Foo Fighters had this vintage kiss jacket that he was obsessed with and you were chewing gum Otto gave you gum and you put your gum on his vintage jacket (laughs) he was devastated and I said oh my god that's hilarious I just saw the Foo Fighters play because Will and I went to Taylor Hawkins tribute concert Mm. and Mm. Will was commenting on Chris the guy from this story on stage going, holy shit, this guitarist has had to play with like 30 different acts tonight. He's played with Pink, Mm. he's played with Alanis, he's played with Queen, he's played with Mm. Rush, and he has to change his style for every person that comes Mm. to the stage. And it was that guy that that I was now being told the story about. And so I DM'd him on Instagram, of course, because that's my Mm -hmm. thing. And he wrote me back and I said, I'm so sorry about the gum. He said, I still have that jacket and it still has gum on it. And I said, I said, well, That's let's so great. maybe we should uh, do a song. Oh my God. That's so cute. I love that. Yeah, it was funny. So, so Santa Barbara really, it's really a community of yeah. artists and yeah. people up there that was so surprising because I just went with my mom just expecting just a low-key day and 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 I ended up connecting with a ton of people in the industry so yeah Santa Barbara is I think like if you don't like you've been away from it for so long and for you it's like going back to like your child it's like going home it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's just there's this whole other side to it basically is what I'm trying to say and it really is a whole artist community and I think especially now a lot of people have moved over there it's just different than it was even like when I was growing up it was a lot more like crusty and like old school and now it's it's much more vibrant again now that's how it was for me Um, with Malibu I mean I was born in Santa Barbara and then I grew up in Malibu and when I grew up there it was this rickety little beach town Mm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. And now it's all and whitewashed it. in Beverly Hills. It's it's crazy. But yeah, Santa Barbara, the same thing. So I was expecting to just go home, go to my hometown and lay mm. low. <laughs> and instead you found a whole new side of it. Whole new side of it. But seeing your family was really wonderful and made me feel Good. closer to you. And we took pictures and sent them to you. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Here's Gilbert. And I got to tell you, we had a Halloween murder in here. <laughs> On Halloween. Oh my god. Look at his face. It's really spicy. A Halloween murder took place. We came home. There were feathers everywhere in the house. We're looking, looking, looking. It was Will. He came home, found all this. And then he found a dead bird in the bedroom. So Gilbert's an indoor cat. How? (laughs) I don't know how it happened. It's a mystery. But some shit went down and it was real real bad okay i wonder if a bird must have just flown in or something i think it just flew in and he just he was lost his mind he just lost he was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) well isn't it amazing gilbert's an indoor cat so he doesn't know about hunting no no he he would have just yeah i know yeah those instincts kicked right in right in so we've got a little murderer on our hands Bird He's snatcher. Just what cats do. I know. I was proud of him. <laughs> I think because Will That's like has really. a love hate relationship with him, but since then, Will's I think like sees like he has a lot more Got respect more... for Gilbert. Yeah. 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 Anyway. That's so funny. Bless Gilby. <laughs> Little psycho. Okay. So should we do news? Yeah. It's news time. We don't we don't need to do that. There's a theme tune. It's not world news. It's not important news. It's, it's really not. It's Lucy and Annabelle news. What do you have for us today, Annabelle Jones? What's going on in the world that we need to know? Do you know who Tom Brady is? Yes, I do. Tell me more. He's an NFL man. I don't know anything about this. It's something about American football, Super Bowl, Tom Brady, big deal, quite old, shouldn't really still be playing, but continues to, and is still good. And he's, women think he's fit. And for 13 years, he's been married to Giselle, supermodel. Yep. Well, they're getting a divorce. I know, I'm devastated. And the most interesting part of this is it has been revealed and there is pretty legit information online pointed to the fact that Giselle's a witch. She's been doing witchcraft to make him good at his job and to be able to continue to be a superstar at the Super Bowl. I love it. Basically, he would say to this witch of a woman, Giselle, supermodel, do I have a chance of winning? What's going to happen? Blah, 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 blah. And she would say, you're going to win. And she would predict the year that this team would win, that that team would win, blah, 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 blah. She would predict things that were going to happen. And apparently Giselle has an uncanny ability to see the future. Not only did she tell Brady that 2014 would be his year, but she also predicted that the Patriots would win the Super Bowl in 2015. After the Patriots win over the Rams in the Super Bowl, Giselle let Brady know how lucky he was to marry a witch. 
Right after the game, she said, see, I did a lot of work. You do your work, I do mine. She said, you're lucky you married a witch. I'm just a good witch. If any NFL quarterbacks are reading this, you know the secret to Brady's success. You need to find a good witch and you need to marry her. I love her even more. I know. Finding out that Giselle is a witch is the plot twist of the century that I never saw coming. (laughs) Didn't see it coming. Did not see that coming. No, I did not not know she dabbled in the art. She dabbles. She dabbles. Didn't know she was a home sister. Okay, I really cannot wait for the new era of Giselle. No offense to Tom Brady. Bye, Tom. Team Giselle. He's giving... Dad from Sound of Music before he was nice vibes. Christopher Plummer, yes. Got it. And (laughs) it's feeling a bit Aryan. It's feeling a bit strict. It's feeling a bit sort of rigid. And... Giselle has been a bit quiet, you will admit, since she's been married to Tom Brady. Very quiet. I know she's been being a mum. I know she's been being a mum and a wife and doing that. And that's what she's dedicated her time to. However, I am really looking forward to the new era of Giselle. And I think it's going to be sexy. I think it's going to be vibrant. We're going to see some raunchiness. We're going to see some witchcraft. I'm hoping for a book of spells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and that's all that's my news wow we need to find her and go to her and learn from her <laughs> the future Giselle I know you're busy but I just really need to know what my future is okay will so... my Christmas theme be a success can you mix circus <laughs> with woodland here's what I need to know just like I need these sessions with Craig David, is she offering? I don't know any more than what I've just told you. We we need There's no more information. Fuck, she needs to speak out more and tell us I the know, deal. She, will. she won't do it before the divorce because then he'll be like, "See, she's crazy." I think it was just finalized. Um, so, also, I just want to say that. Um, while I was doing my research for this groundbreaking story, yes, I found that there is a witch TikTok. Um, okay. And so it's something that I'm considering going on my secret TikTok account for is to view um, witch TikTok. Apparently there's a whole community of witches on TikTok, which I think could potentially be really amusing. Is it, is it, you mean, do you mean witch talk? Exactly. Witch talk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, your story. Wow. Wow. I love Tom Brady as a dad before he got nice vibes. I love that. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you mean. It's true. It is true. It is true. He's got a scary look in his eye. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the videos of him kissing his kids? No. Too long. Everyone says it's too long. The kisses are too long. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's cute, but people don't like it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I kiss all my parents on the lips, so I'm wondering. I I know too, but it's just like it's like quite a long, and he's like that wasn't long enough. Come back and he's give like, me a longer. Get one. back here. 
yeah so people don't like that but i don't i don't have a child so i'm not going to judge right exactly all right well my news is equally as thrilling mm-hmm. <laughs> that appeals to no one but me okay Get this. A man returns an overdue library book checked out by his grandfather 84 years ago. Okay? <laughs> and here's his picture. <laughs> okay, get okay, this. Okay, what's the book? Listen, a b- I don't know what the book is, okay? Oh my God, are you joking? No, we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> A British library said a book that was 84 years overdue was returned by the late patron's grandson, and he paid $21.14 for the late fee, which is what that's the- it? Well, that's what the rate would have been back then. Oh, okay. The Earlsdon Carnegie Community Library in Coventry, England, said that a man okay. named Patty Reardon recently visited the library to return a copy of Red Deer by Richard Jeffries. Great. Glad we got to the bottom of that. The book had been checked out 84 years ago by his grandfather, William Harrison. He told the library officials he found the book among the belongings of his recently deceased mother. The library said Reardon made a donation totaling $21.14, the amount of late fees that the book would have accumulated at that rate in 1938. Oh, God, can you just imagine him getting his little book out in 1938? Oh, now, I guess the reason I relate to this story is because I have several library books that are still... Me too. I just bought one. <laughs> no, I don't... They're not mine, but they're one... Like, my Cider with Rosie book that I just bought is from Chiswick Library from, like, 1975. That's amazing. But I mean, I have library books that I haven't returned. Right. I know you're not supposed to admit that out loud. That's like really bad to say out loud, but I admit it. I'm sorry, people. I think everyone does. Oh, God. And it's not because- I've got some light bulbs downstairs, which I was meant to return to Amazon. I didn't. Okay, well, that's not stealing, though. They refunded me, so- Oh, shit. That's yeah, different. I keep I keep forgetting to take them. They'll just, deb- they'll just take them from my account. It's fine. Whatever. Fuck off, Amazon. No, they won't. You got away with it. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully none of the uh, executives at Amazon listen to our podcast. I don't think they do. (laughs) Or at the Beverly Hills Library. (laughs) You didn't need to give that information. Unnecessary. No one knew which library it was. So that was not necessary. She's coming clean. She has to get off her chest. Anyway, that's my news. Oh, that's fascinating. I wish the book was better. That's my one comment. How do you know you haven't read it yet, dum dum? It just sounds boring. Well, I'm going to order it and see what the deal is. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's talk about it. I will. I'll, I'll order it and we'll do a book club on it. Okay. And text me what it's called because I'll forget. I okay. Forgot. You already <laughs> forgot. Um, we had a little listener feedback. Shall we jump to that? Yes. So... Some uh, listener feedback here on our last week's episode where we talked about um, Sylvanians, which were those little furry animals, which I keep seeing everywhere now that we've had that conversation. And this listener says, I've just discovered that I had a rich bitch childhood. Love I it. had Sylvanians, but probably more for the forest families, which were similar to Sylvanians. And my hair was always brushed using a mason Pearson brush. 
My mum only started buying that brand for her collie at first. Only the very best for her dogs. So we also know that you were a rich bitch because you had a collie. And yeah. unless you're on a farm, you don't need a collie. Unless you're a rich bitch. Only rich bitches have collies who aren't. And a work. collie on a farm would never get brushed with that hairbrush. They would never be brushed and they'd live outside. That's right. So, so. so I, yeah, you are a rich bitch and good for you. Yeah, love it. I loved hearing that. That made me so happy. Um, another listener says, ah, Paris, Paris, such a beautiful city. Not the people, though. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> we are teaming up on Parisians. Um, a couple of years ago, as tourism had fallen down due to the way tourists were treated, especially in Paris. Is that true? The government no, came up with the idea of inviting those who wanted to live the experience of staying at a French family house to see how charming French people were. I don't think it was a success. <laughs> What is she referring to? I need to know more about I'll that. I'll tell you after. Okay. I'll tell you after, yeah. Lucy, it's wonderful the way you opened a door and helped others. And Annabelle, I love your stories. Great podcast as usual. What is she talking about? Okay. She's talking about the French exchange program. Okay. Where I it kind of, well, it was still going on when I was younger, but I didn't do it because I didn't like staying at other people's houses. But my sisters did it. My sister did it. <laughs> And you would go, I really didn't. Is that why you've um, never spent the night at my house, but I've stayed at your house like 800 yeah, times? Yeah, no, I really don't like saying, I get like, it sends me into like a spiral of PTSD. It's really fucking annoying. Like even sometimes it happens at places I'm comfortable with. I, it's, but I could stay in any hotel in the world. What? Just not with people you love. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> fucking weird. And I'd like to move on from it. Okay. But, <laughs> but you go and you stay with a French family and you work on your French and you live in the family, mm. which could never happen now because of everyone would be upset about, like, is there a pedo there? Mm. And, like, you know, I don't mm -hmm. know whatever the fuck else everyone would be bloody fucking worried about. But my sister did it, had a great time. Everyone I know who did it had an amazing time. So I wonder if that's what she's discussing is the, is the French exchange program. I mean, she's saying the government did it so that people would change their minds about French people. Is that true? No comment, I don't know. I wanna hear from anyone who's done this, let us know. And I would like to say also to anyone who's done it and voted to leave the European Union, Fuck you for all the kids who now can't do it and have a fucking free month in France. Fucking assholes. Now you've got all you want from the goddamn European Union. You've travelled around and you've done all your shit. Now everyone else has to wait in a long line at customs everywhere they go in Europe. So I hope you're happy with yourselves and the country's falling to shit. Anyway, moving on to the next few. <laughs> um, this listener says, I would love to go back to the Art Institute of Chicago. Last time I was there, it must have been over a decade ago. I have a family connection to it as well. My first Ooh. cousin, first cousin twice removed, was a well-known Chicago artist. Ed, how the hell do I say that? Pashk. Pashk. I would imagine. P-A-S-C-H-K-E, for anybody who wants to Google it. He's got almost 30 of his works featured in the museum. His stuff is definitely out there. Awesome. I know, that's so cool. And then another listener sent us some authentic, legit ghost pics from a cemetery that they took themselves. 
which it's pretty terrifying yeah haters are gonna say the first one is is an orb like a reflection in the lens which is possible okay but i see a tuxedo i see like a suit i don't see that but i did i you know like whatever you see if he's standing sideways facing the right side (gasps) oh oh my god you're right that's definitely the figure of a body. And do you see the legs going down past the grave? Yeah. Or like a leg? Yeah, it does look like that, doesn't it? Anyway, haters will say that it's an orb. You can decide for yourself. And the second one is a Victorian <laughs> lady by the looks of it. Yeah, she's a lady she's... in a red skirt and a white top. Blouse, tucked in, busty. Looks like one of my aunties. She looks like my grandma. Uh, and, and it looks like she the skirt is knee length. Is that what it looks like to you? To me, it looks like it's kind of like T length. So it's like right. mid, mid-calf kind of. And she's got a hat on. Yeah, it's giving Victorian lady at the graveyard. Yeah. So we'll post those. They're quite thrilling. And there you go. That's your spooky episode you wanted. <laughs> and then also remember when you texted me the other day and you were like i still can't believe this happened yes because we were testing my fucking polaroid camera at the la house and basically it looked like ryan's glasses and his face were in the window and it's actually really odd um it's wild we'll post that one as well It, it could be something else obviously all of this stuff could be something else but I do just want to say that I saw it and I screamed because it looked like Ryan was peeking in the window. Yeah, the the angle at which it's peeking is so playful. It's so his like... And I thought so like like him. Yeah, we'll post that as well. It's so weird. I'm just looking at it now. Oh my God. Okay, anyway. Spending the rest of my life being haunted. (laughs) So last week... We talked about, and we have been talking about, Lucy's experience at the Gloria Gifford Conservatory, acting school, forward slash cult, forward slash fucking whatever the fuck it is. And then Scientology, your kind of limited involvement in that. Right. And say limited, I actually would like to talk about that a bit more if you do have the energy. Not necessarily, it doesn't have to be even today. But... What we had said last week is that we were going to go over the article itself. So Hollywood Reporter did an article. They talked a lot about what happened there at the Gloria Gifford Conservatory. They also left a lot of stuff out. They interviewed a lot of people. To our knowledge, it was, what, hundreds? There are known to be hundreds of people. Yeah, I I heard they had a a list of about 150 people that they knew of um, who various people had mentioned. And... Of all those people, about 2025 chose to go on the record. Totally understandable. People don't want to talk about their Which they, they, um, didn't, they didn't reach all those people. It's not like they mm. r- reached 150 people. Yeah. But there yeah. are hundreds of people who have been affected by her. Of course. Think of all the thousands of people she's trained in right. vested commas. Um, and last week, we said that we were going to go, well, the last couple of weeks we've been building up to getting to going through the article and um lucy wants to read some bits from it and we'll discuss yeah 
And okay. Annabelle is making fun of me because I sent her screenshots of it today and what she's supposed yeah, I to mean, do with that. A scan would have been preferable, but since you've been abused, I'll allow this. Okay, yeah. I can blame a lot of things on that. <laughs> yeah. That's what my friend's doing at the moment. She's like, don't. Don't, I can't. I'm like, bitch, everyone at this table's been abused, so don't even fucking yeah. try me. <laughs> exactly. It's quite nice, though, because I think when you are with somebody around people who have been abused in other ways, it's a lot easier because if somebody hadn't, they'd be terrified of you. They wouldn't know how to speak to you. They wouldn't know how to act around you. There would be no laughter because it feels so scary. But when you can kind of talk things through and have some levity and some understanding, it's, it's good. It does help. Yeah, a sense of humor helps. <laughs> it really Always. does. There's no situation where it doesn't help. And just having compassion for whatever someone else has been through so that mm. you're not doing that haughty thing where you think like, oh, that I would never fall for that or that would never that happen never to me. That never happen to me. All right, I'm just going to read some of this and you can ask me questions and interject. I'm not going to read it all. The article is mentioned on their cover here. Which is a big deal for something Mm. to be a cover story. It says, The students thunderously applaud an ovation of rapture, beaming smiles on eager faces. At last, their acting teacher has arrived. For years, Gloria Gifford, 75, has been relied on to keep the faithful waiting at her conservatory. How long? Maybe 30 minutes, perhaps an hour, even two. An entourage of half a dozen male students escort her from her car to her throne-like chair, ornately carved in dark wood, cushioned in red velvet and positioned near the front row. Her chauffeur, too, has been a student. Driving Gifford has been one of many tasks assumed by members of the Gloria Gifford Conservatory, from grocery shopping and picking up dry cleaning to moving her household furniture. By the way, those are all things I did. Uh, Once seated, Gifford monologues at length, gossipy stream of consciousness critiques on everything from marquee performances, Meryl Streep can certainly do wrong, to the scene work and outfit choices and even dating decisions of those in the room. Now, more than 20 of Gifford's former students contend that while she offers useful tutelage, she preys on susceptible Hollywood hopefuls, lording over the group with mental and physical intimidation, as well as public humiliation by disclosing student secrets and retaliating against those who leave. Several conservatory veterans compare Gifford to Ursula, the charismatic, okay. tempting antagonist in The Little Mermaid. Her Actually, ex- I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. <laughs> her energy reminds me of her gluttonous extravagant, says Samaya Swan, who spent 15 years studying under Gloria before leaving in 2021. Uh, adds Tasia Signori, who left in 2017 after five years. You want to know more about her because of the story she tells about herself, which is a common narcissistic trait. In Gifford's telling, she's a pioneer and a legend. (laughs) Someone else said, if she was a bad acting teacher, this would be easier. That's the frustrating thing. I can't lie and say I didn't learn anything. 
says former student Antonio Ricucci, who left Gifford's group in 2018. But there's all this extra stuff on top of it. It's just not right. He says, I was in it for four years, and it was eat, sleep, breathe, Gloria. You craved that validation of her. It was bizarre. I want to say that along that line, Harvey Weinstein is an incredible producer, but he's still a predator and abuser. Yeah, yeah. Does it make him not a good producer? That's right. Students contend it's difficult to exit the conservatory without incurring Gifford's anger because there's no path to graduate. And I shared some of that, how I had tried to leave multiple times. They claim she often speaks to the remaining classmates about those who have left in bitter terms as disloyal or uncommitted and at times seeks to reframe views about them by publicizing compromising secrets they've shared with her. That is a Scientology tactic. That's as right. is the basically being my personal assistant and do all my shit for me. Right. Um, this man says, I say, when I escaped from class, says Joe Filipponi, whose three years with Gifford ended in 2019. People think, how do you, how do you escape from an acting class? It's very hard to leave her. Oof. Someone else says, there was an oppressive weight of control over our lives that was unbearable. And it was progressive, says Lauren Plaxco who spent a decade at the conservatory until 2018. Slowly but surely, you just gave away pieces of your life to her, and it was what you thought was in your own best interest. Glasgow still dreams about Gloria. They are anxious dreams, she says. I feel haunted, and I can really relate to that. I have constant PTSD dreams, and I've spoken with many others that do as well. Gifford denies and disputes her critics' claims. In her interview with The Hollywood Reporter, she portrays these former conservatory members as a tiny number of stalled actors led by white, privileged, entitled girls, waging a spiteful attack on a school run by a black senior citizen and all the black and Latino students who are carving out their paths. In parentheses, the magazine wrote, half of the individuals who spoke to The Hollywood Reporter about their concerns are people of color. I mean, sorry, bottom of the barrel of her to be to do the old race card. I yeah. hate to say it, but <laughs> you know, it's just a bit like there is a there is a time and place for the race card. It's it's actually frequently uh, the actual right card you should be pulling, but there are moments like this where it's like really bitch you're gonna do the i'm a black senior citizen and it's Mm. white people complaining about me yeah i mean what yep yeah i'm surprised she didn't say oh and i'm disabled you know like well she will in a minute oh okay okay yeah yeah (laughs) she'll get to every everyone And, and that's the trifecta yeah yeah she'll get to every every excuse uh, Gifford says her big, oh, yeah, here we go here. We- no. So now she's going to go to victim. Gifford says her biggest worry is not her own reputation, but that the accusations by these former students will taint the work of every student who has studied at the conservatory, explaining that she's weakened from a recent bout of COVID-19. Can I just say, sorry, can I inject her? This is so manipulative because it's planting the seed of fear that it will taint anything about anyone. 
it's another feels like another sort of micro um aggression in the sense that she's saying like she's like making it true by saying it even though it's not mm-hmm. fucking true at all why would anyone that's right i mean maybe some people would but overall you wouldn't think that that's right so she's kind of like speaking it into existence and making it true which is what she does with so much stuff she just that's right says it like it's a fact like it's true she's painting that reality yeah so now she's gonna say that she has covid she's saying my blood pressure is going through the roof with these people and i hope that i'm not going to be dead and they're going to be laughing because they got the hollywood reporter to help kill me i mean the draw the drama now she's gonna now she's gonna try to um you know take us out as actors she adds all actors are dramatic so naturally you're going to get all the drama so she just said that after what the thing that she said before about the hollywood reporter and people trying to kill her that's right but we're the dramatic one okay yeah just checking Yeah, yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, Gifford name checks some of her most successful alumni, including Max Greenfield and Homeland executive producer Gideon Raff, suggesting solicitation of testimonials. The Hollywood Reporter didn't hear back from any of them, except director Patty Jenkins, another former student from Gifford's stint at the American Film Institute, who responded... I took one mandated class with Gloria Gifford during my time at AFI. She was not significant in my education in any way. I did witness very questionable behavior within her community that put me off from any further engagement. Now, I need to say on that point that Gloria claims that she is uh, responsible for Patty Jenkins' entire career when you're in the room that's the storyline is that she made patty jenkins she made patty what what did what has patty done for any listeners who don't know about this so patty directed monster which Charlize theron Mm -hmm. won the oscar for wow she wrote and directed that and then she has gone on to write and direct wonder woman one and two and now she's about to do three She's done okay. many other films, but that is what she's known for. She's a huge deal. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And in class, Gloria created her. Yeah. But here, Patty on the record is saying, I don't know her. That's right. And not only does she say that she created her, but she hated Patty. She's always called her a bitch. She said that she's ungrateful, that she never gives Gloria credit for what she did for her, which is Complete Scientology, which Leah Remini Mm. just wrote an article about that very thing Mm. in Scientology yesterday. She ripped Patty to shreds for years, while at the same time claiming that she was responsible for all of her success. Mm. And so I contacted Patty to thank her for speaking in the article. And she wrote me back. And we went to dinner. And we're we're besties now. (laughs) (laughs) But when we met, we were both very emotional, and she asked me to tell her more about my experience and what I'd gone through. And she said, I'm so glad that I spoke on the record, because I don't want someone like that out there using my name Mm. to make Mm -hmm. it seem like they are a normal teacher. Mm. This is an abuser posing as a teacher, Mm. and... Mm. I'm really glad that I was able to shut that down for my part. Oh, good. And I Love said, that. I said, 
Patty, it, your voice was very powerful in the article. And, and I, I was so grateful that she chose to be a part mm -hmm. of it, just like I did. Now, a reminder, I'm not the one who did this article, <laughs> even though I'm being blamed for it. Yeah. She's referred yeah, to me as the, as the privileged white girl. She's continued to refer to me that way in all the smears that she's doing, which she's about to deny in a minute here. And I don't know who did it. None of us do. The writers came to each of us and mm -hmm. we passed it along to each other. But it's very interesting that I'm the one being blamed, uh, which whatever. What are you going to do? Fuck it. All right. So that's Patty Jenkins. So. We love Patty. Gifford asserts that the emotional vampires opposing her. Okay, I love this part. This might be my favorite part. She's calling us emotional vampires now. Okay, she's mm -hmm. comparing us to psychiatric patients. So she's saying Gifford asserts that the emotional vampires opposing her have, like psychiatric patients, transferred negative feelings about others onto her. In some of these cases, these people have done everything to get their parents' attention and approval, she explains, and they can't get it. So now she's going to go into character assassination. That's her next tactic. Gifford rejects the notion that she's running a high-control group. Other acting coaches are, are interviewed here. And one teacher, John Ruskin, says... There's a level of trust earned by the teacher, and if the teacher is authentic, they will never use that trust to manipulate or abuse the student. Mm. To abuse that privilege is unethical. The work a teacher with integrity does should be healing and expanding of the actor, never traumatizing. Yeah. yeah. Another student, Nakta Palevan. I just, I just want to say, like, all these people have super white names. I just wanted to... <laughs> Don't they? Yeah, these are super white. These are super white privilege names. I'm yeah, now. yeah. Nocta's definitely white. Um, not. A four-year <laughs> veteran who departed Gloria's group in 2018 invokes her Iranian heritage when speaking of the conservatory. She says, I grew up in a dictatorship. If you Fuck give me. If you give power to one person, it will be violated or abused. No one's holding Gloria accountable. She has absolute power over actors. We are vulnerable, sensitive dreamers. To be a good actor, it's important to let yourself go. But after you're with Gloria for a while, you can lose something of yourself. Oof. Yeah. This is coming from a woman who grew up in Iran. Yeah. Yeah. She's comparing her childhood in Iran to the Gloria Gifford Conservatory. That's right. I don't right. know if any of you are watching the news right now. Iran's a bit of a spicy place. That's right. That's big. That's a big thing to say. Huge. But, you know, Ooh. let's focus on the entitled privileged white girls that are speaking. Well, and that everyone else is dramatic. That's right. It's like... Gifford is unmoved. Mm. Gloria says, people do a lot of things to please authority figures, and that's their thing. Nate Jones, another not-white person says, I was the perfect person to be in Gloria's class because of my self-esteem. It was so low. Jones recalls that Gifford's deal closing was key. She leads with this warmth, Nate says. She sits you down and asks about your life, your relationships, your career desires, your fears that she can help you work through. It's only later that you realize it's transactional. Once you're in class, it's not about you at all. 
And that's what I mentioned when I said that what she used later to smear me were things that in the beginning she sat me down and really coaxed out of me. Mm, by yeah, yeah, another Scientology. That's right. They in Scientology, they you get they get you to they write you write down all your worst, darkest, deepest secrets, and they hold it called collateral. Collateral. That's right. <laughs> Explains Justin Truesdale, who departed in 2018 after six years, a lot of the people had parental issues and saw her as a surrogate mother. You're brainwashed. It's a very psychological, sensitive thing. She gets you to divulge all this personal information about yourself. It's power. Some of Gloria's former students say they saw this pattern of love bombing before withholding. Mm. She butters you up at the beginning and then later treats you badly, observes Christina, Christine Sabella, who spent more than six years at the conservatory leaving in 2012. When I spoke to that girl on the phone, she burst out crying and she said she was so happy that this article was being done because Gloria used to punch her in the face. Mm. Gifford, who solicits astrological birth chart information in the hope of better understanding her students, mothers them with treats that she brings to class. And she's known for extensive gift giving, more lavish for those with longest tenures of being there. Gifts include full luggage sets, kitchen cookware, and pricey collectible books. And she, make, she has everybody open all their gifts in front of each other at the theater. So you know how much she loves you. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the most, yeah. That's right. And she watches everyone's face. And if she feels that you are not being grateful enough on your face and in your reaction, you get handled in front of everyone. And remind us what handled means, just in case anyone's Handled forgotten. means making you stand up and basically ripping you apart um, for sometimes hours of class time that people are paying for mm -hmm. when they should be mm -hmm. learning acting. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's happening instead. So okay. you be you begin to just create false expressions on your face mm -hmm. to show whatever it is that she's looking for. So it's interesting that she says that if somebody does want to please an authority figure, that's their problem when mm -hmm. she runs her class this way to mm -hmm. where you're punished if you don't. Please, her. All right. Kelly Musselwhite, who left in 2021 after eight years, says... Okay, that's a white girl name. That is a white girl name. Yeah, Kelly's, Kelly's from <laughs> Texas. Yes. She says, the more you give of yourself, the more you're rewarded. Benito Pahe, a current student who has studied with Gifford for 12 years and considers her a mentor, said in a statement, Gloria helped me financially during my mother's later years when she passed. She said... she. She paid for several flights to Washington, D.C. just so I could see my mom and spend time with her and take care of her. Now that's a long-term investment. Well, I'd like to add that it was um, actually we contributed money towards his plane tickets. Mm -hmm. I figured as much. Yeah, it was you guys. Yeah, but she's the one that bullied you into doing it. So regardless of if you had the money or not. so Put it on my tab. You know, that's how it was. Yeah. I see this as a long-term investment. He's losing the female figure in his life, so she knows that she's... It's like a guaranteed return. Right. Strengthens her position. And also, it's a classic move that, like, well, dictatorships and also, like, gangbangers use. It's like, if you can't... They'll buy your groceries. They'll buy your... 
you know, it's the classic thing you've heard that I'm sure of when the kids at the gro- at the store, this man buys his groceries. Okay, now you owe me something. Right. That's a very classic narcissistic trait. I bought you this, so now what you're going to do is you're going to take this cocaine uptown for me and you're going to put it at this address. That's what the gift giving that she does is for. Although she would completely tell you otherwise. But members of the conservatory, which Gifford has compared to both Juilliard and a teaching hospital. Okay. Juilliard? Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. She is the same as Juilliard in her mind. Um, They soon must acclimate to what they say is a demanding reality, a commitment rising to more than 50 hours a week of classes and rehearsals at the expense of not just day jobs, auditions, and booked gigs, but also missed graduations, weddings, and even funerals. I missed my own grandmother's funeral because of a commitment in this group. So you missed her you missed her funeral because because I was in a showcase and you were too was it that you were too scared or like what's what's the re what's the emotional like reasoning or drive behind that could make you make a decision like that for people who maybe don't understand how this kind of thing works and is that part of like a broader thing of like her whole thing about getting people away from their families yeah, because that seems to be like part one of her moves is to like, extract you from your family and kind of turn you against them a little bit. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how to put it all into words. It's a lot. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Which is because you had mentioned before not you had lost your relationship with your mother. This feels like pertinent to that in like, you know, how do you how does one extract you from your family? Like, how do you lose contact with a family member as a result of being in this thing which says it's an acting class many many ways over time but a a situation like the grandmother's my grandmother's funeral at the time would have been spoken to me in a way of you're either serious about your career or you'll never do anything with your life because you're constantly catering to your family. Also, there's a thing in Scientology called the greatest good for the greatest number. Okay. This would apply to this. At the time, she would have said, Okay. You leaving while you're in the middle of a showcase where your group is depending on you, that's not the greatest good for the greatest number. And what that tactic is meant to do is wipe you out personally so that you're not doing what's best for you. You are doing what's best for the group. So it kind of like shames you out of making decisions for yourself and yes. your own like health and well-being and your relationships because you're because it's like you're letting everyone else down. That's right. And the other part to that on the family side, for something like my grandmother's funeral, she would have said, your grandmother's already dead. She doesn't know if you're there or not. I mean, that's true, but... <laughs> if it were a birth, it would be, there will always be more babies. If it were a birthday, it would be, there will always be another birthday. Those things aren't special. Your group is special. So that's like a constant, almost like feeling of like moving of the goalposts. Yeah. That next time, next time, next time, next time. So you miss out on a lot of things, which you inevitably do when you're a professional artist, actor. You're not going to be at every birthday and every baby being born and and 
and things like that. But the shame, the shame and greatest good for the greatest number, those are the tactics. They're quite intense when you're in it because it's hell. It's like communism. <laughs> Students also say there's a culture of isolation from loved ones, which weakens and ruptures important ties. Someone says, you're heavily discouraged from having relationships with anybody outside the class, including family members, so that she has complete control of you, explains George Steves, who left in 2009 after five years. Tiffany Hines, who spent nine months at the conservatory beginning in late 2017, notes that Gifford would say, do you want to study with your family or me? Are they actors? Are they doing what you're attempting to do? Tiffany continues, my father was a Jehovah's Witness, and it reminded me of the imperative to stay inside the circles of that religion. Outside associations were discouraged. Keep it in-house with one another. Many of those who leave the fold say they have been treated as traitors, with Gloria later criticizing them in front of the group and former colleagues cutting off contact, which is straight out of Scientology. Mm. Students say they have mostly notified the conservatory of their departure by email because doing so in person has resulted in attempted interventions behind closed doors, which I experienced several of mm. when I tried to leave mm -hmm. in person. Someone says, when I left class, no one in class ever spoke to me again. You have to be made an example of. Gifford denies that there is any such retribution. Classes cost $250 to $500 per month. That's on par with other LA acting seminars, although members foot additional bills for private coaching and to put on the group's regular showcases and plays. Multiple individuals tell The Hollywood Reporter they've paid Gloria more than $100,000 over their time there. She is such a scam. She's a scammer. This is like, oh, I need there to be a Netflix show about this. Yes, well... I'm uh, already being uh, co courted by, well, many of us are already being courted by several networks. Really? Yeah, a lot's happened in the last two weeks. The conversation is heating up. Like a documentary? All kinds of stuff, Or like stuff, a drama? Yeah. Both. Because it's so compelling. Yeah. As a, if you're not the one being traumatized by it. <laughs> yeah. Conservatory members... Fuck. Vie to assume menial tasks in the hope of winning her favor, and also because you're forced. Uh, I became the ice guy for two years. The ice guy. It was my thing to make sure that her Perrier was how she wanted it, explains Rikuchi. If you got those tasks, then you were higher up in the class system. When frustrated, which is often, Gloria screams, hurling insults. She would say that she used to get so rageful that she'd black out, says George Steves. She's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One side is very giving, loving, and caring. But when you make a mistake, she becomes a whole other person, a monster. Says Filipponi, she excuses her rage as passion. Liana Chavez, who started with Gifford at age 13 in 1995. Oh, God. Yes, so this is a whole nother level because now we're dealing with minors. Mm. My heart. That gets into criminal territory. Oh, yeah. As many of these things do. Liana Chavez observes that she and others left after the conservatory moved online during the pandemic. On Zoom, her control broke down, Liana says. 
Her being late was more pronounced. Her yelling was more ridiculous. Gloria says the opposite. For the last two and a half years, I don't think I've ever had to lose my temper once. And that's really interesting to me because it means that I'm not being provoked. Many people in class constantly attest to her losing her temper. So that's bullshit. But also she's basically saying you made me, they made me do it. Yeah. She's so disgusting. Going down the list of tactics and now she's blaming. In this article, she is literally just like brazenly doing every single thing an abuser does. She's like, she's doing it. And it's like, she thinks she's so clever with what she's saying. She thinks she's being so clever and she's just literally given everyone every piece of information they could need to identify her as a fucking abuser. <laughs> she's dumb. She's dumb dumb. Gifford has struck students or pinched them in anger. Asked about this, she responds, Every single thing I've ever done was to teach a lesson and it is what it is. So she's not denying it is what it is, she says. I feel rageful. More common, students allege, is for her to sanction various forms of onstage physical assault. Hair pulling, open palm slapping, and degradation. Crawling on the floor, smashing cake into a girl's face without securing permission in advance. So if you're ever going to do anything like that in the acting world, you talk about it first. Yeah, yeah. That didn't exist in this group. That did not exist. She needs to be banned from teaching. This is unacceptable. Well, that's also in the process because SAG has definitely been notified and they must change their ways to be overseeing acting classes so that this is regulated. Especially when you've got children going into these things. That's right. Like, there are minors oh. in this situation. Gloria is unapologetic. She says... Some things people may be shocked at. Some people don't like it, then leave, she says. Those who finally do leave class dispute her approach. Here it goes. She says she doesn't have a method, that it's to do whatever it takes to get that performance, says Lucy Walsh, who ended a decade-long stint with Gloria in 2020. Me getting slapped in the face by five girls, which she had done when I wasn't reacting the way she wanted me to in a scene, gives her free reign to be as abusive as she wants to be. Like Nate, who booked a breakthrough arc on Snowfall after she left the conservatory. Oh, I'm sorry. People are never going to work again if they leave Gloria? Right. Mm -hmm. Tiffany Hines, also black, was drawn to Gifford because she says, I wanted to learn from someone who had this experience of being a black actress in Hollywood. She says she persisted, despite the red flags, including the initial financial outlay. To start, you have to pay first and last month like an apartment. By the way, you never get that. You never get your deposit back at the end, by the way. Scammer. And the verbal aggression red flags. It's jarring to see her light into someone, even talking about it now. I'm a little shaky. And the normalized drudgery of those who'd bend over backwards to do things for her. She would treat them the worst. But for Tiffany, who was more established in her career than most of the other members, her credits already included Bones, Legacy, Magnum PI, blah, blah, blah. It was witnessing Gloria's intimate use of details of her students' personal lives that Tiffany says most chilled her. Class veterans say that confidences Gloria had early got, earlier gotten from them in private one-on-one -on -one conversations 
would later be divulged without consent in front of the group. The information was often traumatic in nature. While instruction was the declared goal, domination and humiliation were the outcome. That someone was molested or that someone was raped or that they'd been incontinent or couldn't get hard, it didn't matter what the thing was, Gloria told it, Tiffany says. It was a vengeance thing. Gloria denies that she leverages private information. Every single student I have ever taught has told me secrets, she says. I could write 12 books on the things that people have told me, but I don't. I have heard everything. I hear, I hear them all the time, and I don't discuss them in public. I'm never going to do that. Never, never, never. I don't think she sees her class as public. Of course she does. She's fucking lying. Are you kidding? But That's I her mean, public l- platform. Okay. But you're sweet to give her the benefit of the doubt. No, I just mean, like, I think she means she wouldn't, like, write a book about it or go on the internet and talk about it or do it because I think she sees the class as, like, an extension of herself and her inner world. So that's why she feels she can just do anything in there and doesn't have to abide by the laws of, like, the world and decency because it's, like, behind closed doors. You know, narcissists, it's all an extension of her. Former students say they felt compromised and trapped. Our weaknesses were used against us, says Muscle White. It was scary because you'd see that anything you told Gloria, she'd bring up publicly in class. Publicly in class. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) A huge fear I had in leaving was that she'd take everything I'd said and tell it to this group of people who are supposed to be your friends. Conservatory veterans say that Gloria has offered unsolicited critiques about students' bodies and how they do or don't comport with Hollywood's prevailing beauty standards. Gifford counters that she's volunteered only comments to assist in building careers. She does, however, readily acknowledge another point of contention, offering sex tips. It's part of how I teach, she explains. I know you're really, like, resistant to my insinuations that there is like a very strong libidinal undertone to all of this but it's okay i wouldn't be surprised if when more stuff comes out there's like much more weird sex stuff she's saying no comment with her eyes (laughs) okay moving on at one point gifford conducted an exercise ostensibly to promote vulnerability and openness in which men were seated on stage opposite women and prodded to answer intrusive questions if they'd engaged in anal sex the size of their penises, their history was sexually transmitted infections. It was treated like a game in good fun, says Filipponi. It's cemented in me, I'm getting out of here. Gifford places blame on her students for the exercise getting out of control, noting that she didn't use it again because she didn't trust what people were going to do. Now, she has used that exercise multiple times. Mm. And I was there for one of them. And it was Mm. unbelievable. So people did get crazy. People were forced to answer questions about very private things that were shocking in nature. And because everyone's so terrified of her, they just do whatever. So, like, you'll just do it because if you don't comply with the exercise, then you get punished. Doing it is easier than what happens if you don't. (sighs) Okay, carry on. All right? Yeah, carry on. 
All right, so in the past, she taught at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. She was connected to Milton Katselis, who's a big Scientologist, and they're talking about that, it mm. says. Um, but um, the class was drawing controversy for fostering an environment in which performers allegedly felt compelled to join the Church of Scientology, of which her teacher, Katselis, was a member. So Gloria, who's also studied Scientology, doesn't push it, she says. However, some members of the conservatory's innermost circle an echelon of designated administrative officers. Remember, I was a captain, which is below an officer. Also, this is a Scientology thing to do, to have captains yep. and officers and blah, 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 blah. Yep. They enforce rules on the rest of the group and have become involved in Scientology during their relationship with her. They contend that her organization is influenced by the church. And new students may go months without recognizing its imprint. Several say that the mm -hmm. church's ethos and style are very clear. Veterans point to the conservatory's cultural inwardness and intolerance of defectors, as well as the leveraging of secrets, but also to Gifford's frequent invocation of Scientology teachings. She cites L. Ron Hubbard's emotional tone scale and its positions, such as covert hostility, unexpressed resentment, etc., when critiquing performances. And there's lingo like to be in present time or that outflow equals inflow or a call to grant beingness, the notion of blowing, AKA leaving the conservatory. Those are all Scientology terms. Mm -hmm. And she uses all of them. All of them. Okay. Yeah. In class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she'll be like, where do you think you are on the tone scale right now? And the tone scale is this little card from Scientology that you can carry around in your wallet. And it has all the emotions on it. And some of them are considered good and some of them are considered bad. And you and it's divided into like 1.2.0, 3.0, 4.0. And you want to be above the 2.0 mark or you're in trouble. So it's like tone of your voice? It's like tone of your essence and your voice and your face and all of that. She's like... Your face is telling me that you're in a low a low part of the okay. tone scale. We should talk about all this more when we talk about Scientology a bit more. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously there's like, most people won't, like, I don't know. I like, I'm into all the stuff and I don't, I've never heard of that one before. So right. Maybe we can get to it. Yeah. And, yeah. All right, so here's the last little bit. Uh, rising to the status of captain, a level below officer, Lucy Walsh left the conservatory in 2020 after 10 years. Walsh, who has steadily worked on television, her credits include Kirby Enthusiasm and Mother's Day, feature films, blah, blah, blah. She describes a low point in 2018 when during a play rehearsal, her mentor subjected her to a big handling. That's a Scientology church term for correcting improper behavior or action. It's where you get yelled at in front of everybody and told you're a piece of shit and you need to make amends for what you've done. And as Lucy headed down the 101 through Hollywood after the handling, she says she contemplated suicide. I thought about driving my car off the freeway, she says. It was very scary. It felt like a ride and you want to stop and get off, but you don't know how. Mm. So that was a heavy night for me. Yeah, that's crazy. Because I I can, I know that feeling of like, because I had it at the after Ryan Max side where it's like you don't you're not like I'm gonna kill myself but you're like how do I make this stop right, 
and it's hard it's a weird thing because i guess it is technically like being suicidal but it's you're not you know you're not but you want it to end and it's like the only way you can think for it to end is by not being alive anymore that's right you think anything is better than this yeah even though you like don't want to die right yeah it's the fact that you were like pushed to that place from this experience with this woman is so crazy to me when you think about like the way in which I was pushed to this place like the extremity of like the emotions that I was going through and like the loss and all that stuff like you were alive and well and this is how this woman made you feel like nobody died not no like catastrophic event happened that's how bad her treatment is that's how bad the environment is that's how bad that whole system is the Gloria Gifford conservatory is and the way that it functions and the way that people are treated there is making people feel like they want to die right is like really something that I you know I just I don't know how she's still teaching but I had died yeah the you that went there in the first place, the girl that walked into that room. I was dead to myself because I was completely disassociated. And this was after a long time of being worn down. I was now disconnected from all my friends and family. I was mm. had no money. I was completely dependent on her and the group. And so it is interesting how you arrive at that place in different ways and that... Mm you losing your husband and you comparing that level of pain to <laughs> this person mm. and their group making a person feel that way mm. is crazy to hear you put it like that well because that's what i'm reading here when you say that you just wanted it to like end and that's the feeling of being in like an insurmountable emotional pain where you just you're like how can this end and that's like when people get pushed to alcohol and drugs and taking xanax every day or whatever people's things are that make them just like leave that you just want to leave your body leave the earth disassociate yeah and for some people unfortunately that's to kill themselves and that's like it's just fucked that that's how she's making people feel Here's the last bit I'll end with. Several actors who have left the conservatory tell The Hollywood Reporter that the experience has squashed their passion to perform. Tiffany mm. Hines says that her boyfriend, who spent four years with Gifford, hasn't acted since he left the group. Even when I need him to read for a self-tape, I can tell he doesn't even try, she says. Justin Truesdale understands the feeling. He says, it definitely extinguished my fire. It's for this reason that these actors say they've chosen to speak out. This is to save the people who are coming off the bus, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, Justin says. They don't know the story. I can really relate to that from my experience of being in that production deal, like with those people, with those men. And the experience that I was put through was like, not being able to release music and not being able to live my life and create and 
do the thing that I felt that I was like on earth to do which is be an artist and when somebody crushes that part of you when you are an artist or you are a creative or stops you from doing it it's this like dead feeling and it's Mm -hmm. somebody said to me this amazing thing once where it was like telling an artist not to create or not allowing them to create would be like if I told you to just hold your breath and stop breathing. It's like, how does that feel to hold your breath right now? Yeah. And I can just say that it's it's truly one of the most painful things I've ever experienced outside of losing the boys is having that taken away from me and that passion and that fire and that that spark that creativity and that love and desire to just embody your like creative self and I know multiple people who have been through different situations different abuses of different kinds that have resulted in them not being able to make that art or just stopping them for so long that it's like it starved them of the oxygen that they needed to like be themselves and I just think it's one of the most awful things it's it's such a cruel it's such a cruelty you know in the big scheme of the world okay whatever you know but I guess unless you are a creative person maybe it's hard to understand and it sounds a bit mad what I'm saying but it it's it's a internal death that is like you just live with this like rotten thing inside you for the rest of your life and it is so painful it is so so painful and so along with the abuses that she's putting people through the fact that she's like robbing these creative people and like killing off this part of them that lives inside of them is just such a cruelty it really is like even if you get the strength to leave the group She's robbed you of the thing that, like, makes you breathe and soar. I don't know. It's just, it's so dark on so many levels. I know, it really is. I, I think it's amazing that you've continued and that you do continue and that you kind of have the get up and go still and, like, the ability to dream and hope and visualize and... And even want any of it still is really like commendable, to be honest, I think, anyways. Yeah, I I know everything you're saying. I really suffered with that same thing after my first record deal. I really suffer. It's deeply, deeply, deeply painful. And you and I have Mm. both been through that with our with our music stuff so the fact that she has all these people coming through and there's this possibility that like hundreds of people a year are gonna have this trauma happen to them is and this robbery i feel it's a robbery it is robbery it's like really it's godless yeah it's really dark yeah do you have any words of like for those people who who have been robbed of that spark of that ability who associate pain with acting with art with creativity now 
as a result of their time at the Gloria Gifford Conservatory. Do you have any insight or anything that you could say that you think might help them? Not that anyone's asking to be helped, but just if someone could have said to me when I was going through what I went through, leaving that production deal and trying to get away from those people, I would have really loved a bit of <laughs> a bit of a tip from somebody <laughs> or just a word of encouragement or something. I don't know. Thanks for asking that. I definitely think I do have something to say about it. When I first left in 2020, I was risking everything because I had nothing else mm. besides her. Mm. And I was believing that I could not be an actress without her mm. and that I would truly never work again mm. and that um, I was no good without her. And so it was really scary to step through that. And when I did, I thought, okay, I don't think she was right, but I don't know. Mm. So let me return to square one. Mm -hmm. Let me go back to the drawing board and ask myself, if I'm really an actress, let me find out. Mm. And so I spent time with that and I took my time and I thought about acting and, and I released it. I, I released it. I let it go because mm -hmm. I wanted to see what would happen. And slowly I started to move towards it from myself mm -hmm. and I arrived back at it and I knew without a doubt that acting is my true love. Mm. And the same goes for music. Mm. I let it go mm. after heartbreaks of record deals and things not going the way you imagined. I turned my back on my music. Mm. And that's really painful, mm. as you know, to the point that I didn't even have a piano in my house. Mm -hmm. I put the keyboard in the closet. That's me now. Yeah. And so to answer this question, I think you have to return to the beginning. And you have to reconnect with why you wanted to do that in the first place. Before you met anyone, yes. before you had yes. any business yes. meeting, before you got that production deal, before you found that acting coach, before the pain, before the the rejection before yes. it fell through return to the beginning mm. and reconnect with it mm. in its purest form yeah. because music never hurt you no acting never hurt me those are our best friends they are our lifelong lovers mm. they are there for us they will never turn their back on us we turn their back we turn our back on them mm. So turn back towards the thing mm. at the source. Mm. But just the thing. None of the shit attached to it. None of the thing. Nothing else. No outcomes. No. Just. Just the thing. Yes. So what I did with the piano is I took that piano out of the closet. And I set it up. A keyboard. And then there's great studies on this. There's a book called The Artist's Way. Mm. 
that is a great, this, it's all about this very thing that the question you asked me. Someone should read The Artist's Way. It's a workbook to reconnect with your love. Mm. And every day, a little bit, you go to the thing and you touch it. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. look at it and you spend a minute with it. It doesn't have to be long. And then you walk away again. Mm. And then you return the next day and you touch it a little more. And then you go away again. Mm -hmm. And slowly I reapproached the piano. Mm -hmm. And I started to play. Mm -hmm. And I started to enjoy myself again. Mm -hmm. Now I still struggle with that on the music front. Yeah. But on the acting front, the acting front has been much easier for me. I've spent a little time with it every day. I would read a bit of an acting book or I would watch an interview with an actor mm. and every little step of that I'd go oh I liked that I liked that yeah, it felt I good. want more of that it felt, good. it felt good this makes me feel good and I arrived at the knowing that I am an actor no matter what and no one can take that from me and I'm good because I'm good <laughs> mm. but I was brainwashed for so long into having to give the credit to someone else yeah. Yeah. That I that I I thought that they might be the source. The source. Mm. So it's making yourself the source, mm. bringing it back to you and the thing that you love and that's it. I love that advice. I'm cheering my hands. Well, how's your music going? Don't ask. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I know. Um I do. I think about it every day. This was why we started this podcast in the beginning. Yeah. Was to discuss the things about being an artist mm -hmm. that aren't discussed very often because people feel ashamed. Yeah. This is normal. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's been a long one today. Yeah. But it's good. I really appreciate the space to do that. Your questions and your insight is very valuable. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing with us. Okay. Well, now we're both exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. You can go like wind down. I've got a full day ahead. I know it's nine nice times for me, and now you got to go do your thing. Shit, girl. Shit, bitch. Um. Right. Thanks, Lucy. That was really good, and I hopefully helpful. Uh, to to somebody to peoples out there. Anything Jeff said recently that we can end on? Oh yes, so glad you asked. <laughs> I have a past, but I don't live there anymore. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Couldn't be more perfect. And with that, I love you. You got love to you. pick up every stitch Oh no Must be the season of the witch Must be the season of the witch Must be the season of the witch